You are listening to the Eating Disorders Recovery Podcast with me, Tabitha Farrar. Hello, welcome to this week's podcast. I've been very busy in the last couple of weeks and I actually didn't even get to publish a podcast last week. And today is going to be uh, one that I've been wanting to talk about for a while, just haven't got around to recording it. And I'm not interviewing anybody today. It's just something that I'd like to explain that I get asked questions about time and time again. Um, and that is, how do I know when I'm weight restored? Or somebody might say to me, how do I know what my target weight is? Um, the answer, I think, that to both of those questions is that you're not going to know what your target weight is, and you're not going to know when your weight restored by looking at some height versus weight chart and working out what is a BMI that you think that you should be at. There's not going to be any calculation that one can do um, um, before actually gaining weight to determine what one's weight is going to be when one is weight restored. It's not, I, I, I really dislike it when people are actually given a target weight and said, this is the weight that you'll be weight restored and, and be in recovery at. I just think that's a ludicrous concept. This is a very complicated physiological illness and the effects of malnutrition on the body are vast. So who is anybody to look at a person externally, talk to them for a couple of minutes, and then look at a height versus weight chart and say, well, you're this, you're this tall, so at this weight, you're going to be better. Because you can't tell from looking at a person what state of energy debt they are in. Okay, so what's energy debt? Energy debt is the debt that accumulates from years and years of malnutrition. It might not even actually be years and years of malnutrition. For some people, you can run up a really big energy debt from a couple of months of malnutrition. So energy debt is what happens when a person is in energy deficit for a long time. And what's energy deficit? Energy deficit is when you are not eating enough to cover what it takes to run your body for a day. So you're not putting enough fuel in. You're not putting enough fuel in, so the body starts to economize, and it does that by slowing down its metabolism, which I say that in a sentence by slowing down the metabolism as if that's just a flick of the switch and it's really easy, but it isn't. That's a very complex process. And for that to happen, usually the endocrine system has got a lot going on to say the least. There's many things, many levels of hormones that all get adjusted and altered and lowered as your body tries to make up for the fact that you are not eating enough to sustain your body on a day-to-day -day basis. And so the long and the short of metabolism slowing down is that your heart rate might slow and your um, the um, rate at which you digest food will likely slow. You'll tend to get feel that you're full quicker and stay full for longer. And that's due to something called delayed gastric emptying that happens when we have not enough food going through the stomach. You know, why would the body run the digestive system at the rate of knots when there's hardly any food going in? If it doesn't have enough energy anyway, it's not going to waste energy doing that. So it slows down the rate of digestion. And for um, the effects of it, what goes on in the endocrine system are most obvious for women because our periods stop. Um, 
But that's just the tip of the iceberg, really, as to all of the hormonal shifts and changes that are going on when a person goes into prolonged energy deficit, which I sometimes call chronic energy deficit. So really common with those of us with, with anorexia. It's not like we just don't go into energy deficit for a day. It's days and days and weeks and weeks and months and months. And for some of us, it's years. And for some of us, it's decades of not eating enough food. And it's a bit like, say, if you got fired from your job and you've got a mortgage to pay and you've got certain bills that goes out and you know you have things like the electricity bill and the internet and your food bill and you had a pretty good well-paying job so you spent a lot of money you know you didn't have to economize you didn't have to buy the cheapest items in the supermarket you could buy whatever you wanted so you know if we tend to have more money coming in and we feel secure that we've got a good amount of money coming in that's when we tend to allow ourselves to buy whatever the hell we want to eat and and spend the more expensive you know some expensive wine rather than the cheapest one or whatever it is that you like but then you lose your job and gradually and sometimes maybe suddenly you realize oh I can't keep buying these items anymore and I can't keep doing these luxuries and some things have got to go and so you start to spend less money and you might um, stop having some monthly bills that are not complete necessities you might um, stop leisure activities to save money you might spend less in the grocery store or, or if you don't buy less then you'll buy cheaper items you might try turning off more lights to reduce the electricity bill. Um, and as you spend have longer and longer without a job, then not only is it the day-to-day -day things that you're going to really struggle with, but you know what, what happens when you need a new roof on the house? There's no money for that. So the roof just deteriorates and deteriorates and deteriorates. And maybe the heating, central heating needs fixing and the plumbing needs doing. And you don't have the money for any of those things. So those things just deteriorate they don't get fixed unless you pay for them to get fixed and so then even if you were you got a job finally yes woohoo couple of years in without of unemployment you got a job and you got enough to um buy yourself food and pay the mortgage and and actually you deal with those day-to-day -day things so you stopped accruing so much debt because you've got some money coming in but you spending that money on the necessities still, food and water and electricity and that debt, the roof still needs doing and the plumbing still needs doing and all of those things still need doing. Just because you suddenly got a job and you can getting a monthly paycheck doesn't mean that you've got $10,000 to spend on redoing the roof and all of those things. So that's debt. That's debt that's still there. And if you think about your, what's going on with your body when you're in malnutrition, it's, that's the closest analogy that I can give you for that, is that you have been in a state where you have not been able, your body has not been able to afford to do the repair work that it needs to do. And therefore, you're in a state of energy debt, even when you start eating more. And it throws some people in recovery, because say they go from eating very little to eating what would be a, a more normal amount of food, and then they argue, well, I can't be an energy deficit anymore because I ate 4,000 calories today. And it's like, no, you're still in energy deficit because you didn't eat enough for five years and your body has a lot of repair work to do. The even harder part of this, which is why the house example isn't completely fitting, is because you can look at a house and say, well, the roof needs doing and the plumbing needs doing and the repairs are going to cost 80 grand, whatever you decide. You can't look at a person's body and, and decide all of that. Only your body can really determine what it needs to do with the energy that you give to it. And 
the phenomenon of overshoot in eating disorder recovery, which I prefer to call recovery weight, is your body saving in order to to do make the repairs it needs to make. Because if you think of it from your body's point of view, you know, you've been not eating. Your body thinks you've been in a famine environment for the last however many years or months that you haven't been eating properly. And so it's thrilled that there's now energy coming in and you're finally eating, but it still doesn't know that you're actually out of a famine environment indefinitely. So it's going to store fat as much as it can in the same way. Say if you thought, if you just got a temp job, you'd save money as much as you could because you don't know if you're going to actually still be employed next week. So you, would act, you wouldn't be splashing out if you'd been unemployed and got a tent job. You'd be spending, saving money, if you had any sense, I think. Um, you'd be saving money as much as you could. And then if after, you know, you'd had that tent job for a year or so and it seems like it was pretty permanent, you might start to think like, oh, well, I've saved that money. I can repair the roof now. You wouldn't do it after week one or two or three or four. You'd save up first and make sure that you knew you were in a stable and secure financial situation before you splashed out on any any large projects. And I think that's what your body's doing when it comes to overshoot. It doesn't know what your environment's like. It doesn't trust your environment. It's got all of the data it needs to show it that you actually have been previously in a famine environment. So that's what your body's geared up to. And... For those of us who experience overshoot, that means that we store fat for a while and then it starts to redistribute later on or your body starts to use it up in the healing process. But so back to the question of, well, what's what's my target weight? The answer to that question is your target weight is the weight that you are at when you are in a healthy weight range and your mental state improves to the point where you no longer fear weight gain. That's how I define what your target weight should be. And I know that's sketchy. And I know that that's really damn annoying because you just want me to give you a formula and tell you so that you can know safely what your target weight's going to be. But I can't do that. And anybody that thinks that they can do that is bullshitting you. Only your body knows what it needs to do with the fuel that you give it. So what do I mean about this mental state? Um... I believe that those of us who have the genetics for anorexia, and I'm writing all of this in in this book that I'm writing right now, but I believe that those of us who have the genetics for anorexia, where we go into a state of energy deficit, those genetics start to fire. And I believe that those genetics have evolved from many years ago when we might have had to migrate in a famine environment. So for some of us, a migration response gets turned on when we're in a famine environment. And that migration response means that we want to move a lot because our body's trying to tell us to move. We don't really see how underweight we are because our body doesn't want us to focus on that. It wants us to keep moving. We're not particularly interested in food because our body doesn't want us to stop and graze. It wants us to move to a place where there really is abundant food. Um, And we also seem to some of us get incredibly um, fearful of eating and you know that could arguably be because those in you know years and years ago in famine environments when humans had to migrate the ones that stopped and ate and didn't migrate were the ones that died who knows that's speculating but anyway if you go into energy deficit and you have the genes for anorexia nervosa you start to move onto a different operating system, as I call it. 
And that is an operating system that favors further energy deficit, it rewards energy deficit, and it sees energy surplus as a threat. Energy surplus is anything that involves food, and it's no coincidence that most of us are more terrified of the more caloric or fatty food, So, because that creates greater energy surplus. So if energy surplus is a threat, energy deficit is a reward, it doesn't matter what the motivations are behind that. There's no underlying reasons. It can be as simple as it feels really good when I restrict and it feels really scary and bad when I don't. That can be completely beside the point that I get skinny when that happens. Some of us, the aim is not to actually get thin. For some of us, the aim is as well. But for all of us, energy deficit feels good. Energy surplus feels like a threat. So you can see that when you're on that operating system, it's very difficult to get into a state of energy surplus because energy deficit feels so good. But you have to do it anyway, because until you get into a state of energy surplus, you're always going to fear energy surplus and you're always going to fear weight gain. And for me, that's how I know that I'm underweight and that I'm in energy deficit because I fear weight gain. However, when I am at my or above my target weight, if you will call it that, I no longer um, get a kick or a thrill out, a good feeling out of energy deficit, and I no longer fear energy surplus. So therefore, I no longer fear weight gain. And that means, ironically, that when I get to that higher weight, I'm not scared of gaining weight anymore. But if I lose weight and I go underweight, then the anorexia operating system kicks back in and energy deficit feels rewarding again. And that's how we get trapped into that cycle. So what is your target weight? Well, I'm not going to tell you and nobody can tell you. You just have to eat and you have to gain weight and you have to keep doing so for long enough that your body comes out of energy deficit, moves into energy surplus. And when that happens, you should feel mental shifts. So the physical restoration is vital in order for the mental restoration to take place. I also think that I would like to take this opportunity to talk about being underweight because I wrote a blog about this recently and it's something that really um, irritates me actually when people say, oh, he or she is a BMI 23, so they're not underweight. It doesn't, your BMI does not determine whether you are underweight or not. Because that's assuming that everybody's body is supposed to be the exact same weight and that there's no body diversity. If your natural body sits happily in energy balance at a BMI of 24, if you are a BMI of 23, you are underweight. So it's not to do with what these charts and graphs show us, only your genetics and your body knows what weight it needs to be. And that is the weight that it settles at when you eat without restriction. And that can be a really scary concept if you're right in the midst of anorexia and you think eating without restriction feels like I'm just going to eat forever and I'll indefinitely gain weight. It doesn't happen. Nobody indefinitely gains weight. Eating without restriction means that you eat enough to keep your body at its healthy, happy weight and your mind in its healthy, happy state. And you're not restricting any food. And when you are eating without restriction and your body is in energy balance, you will not have that desire to eat the house like you do when you're in recovery. 
The reason that you don't have that desire to eat the house is because your body's in balance. It doesn't need you to do that. So it is restriction that begets binge eating. Binge eating is a natural bodily response to restriction. If you are binge eating, then there is really likely restriction somewhere in what you're doing. And you can say to me, oh, I'm eating 5,000 calories a day. I can't possibly be restricting. And I will say to you, yes, you can. Because if you're eating 5,000 calories a day, but you know, you're not allowing yourself to eat cream cakes because there's this voice in your head that tells you that that's bad and that's got too much sugar in it or whatever bullshit it tells you, then you're restricting. So be careful with that and really understand what eating without restriction means. Understand what it means to be underweight. Underweight does not mean thin. Underweight means under your natural body weight. Understand that your target weight is not about the weight on the scale. It's about getting into a healthy weight range and then continuing to eat until that mental state shift happens. And for many of us, that's not a BMI 19. It's not a BMI 20 even. For most people, I say, I want you to get over a BMI 22 and see what happens to your mental state. And if your mental state doesn't change at that weight, and if you're still restricting it that weight, then it's going to go up. You just keep going until the mental state shift happens. And I know that sounds terrifying, but believe me, when you get out of energy surplus, it's not half that scary. A lot about anorexia recovery is being brave and curious and staying calm, staying focused. So that's all I'm going to ramble on about today. If you have any more questions about that, that was just based on a question that I got, well, probably five questions that I got this week asking, what's my target weight? From which I reply, well, I can't tell you from an email, <laughs> but um, I know it's a real, um, I know that some people's heads really latch onto what's my target weight and feel so um, frozen in their ability to, you know, make change and to eat more food when they feel like it's just this abyss of unknowns in the future. And I don't think that this podcast has necessarily taken away any of those unknowns, but I'm just being honest about it. I think that it's far more damaging to tell a person, oh yeah, your, your target weight is going to be 130 pounds. And then they get to 130 pounds and they still feel mentally just as sick as they were at 100 pounds. And the reason for that, folks, is because a person could be at 130 pounds and still in energy deficit. <laughs> so you can't tell from a chart. You really can't. The body knows what it's doing. It knows only your body knows what debt needs to be paid off. Only your body knows how much it needs to accumulate to feel secure to do that. Your body is never working against you. It only is an efficient machine and it does what it needs to do. Be brave and curious and trust your body. Eat food. If you've got any other questions, then you can email me at info at tabithafarrar.com or you can tweet me and my Twitter handle is at love underscore fat underscore. Thanks very much for listening. The book that I mentioned, done the first draft, which I'm pretty excited about, I have to admit. All these things are often in my brain just trying to jump out and I'm so happy to have got this down on the page. It's currently being reviewed. It's being reviewed the first round of reviews by three people in recovery right now. And when those rounds are in, I'll be sending it out to another 10 people in recovery. So this book is being has been written by somebody who's recovered from anorexia and will be reviewed by 
I'm hoping for around 50 people who are in recovery from anorexia. So I'm excited about this and hope to get it out soon. But thanks for listening, guys. I am adding a little bit of a note here because I don't think I was particularly clear in some of these points, or maybe I just got carried away and didn't think to clarify. Um, somebody really helpfully um, wrote a comment on the blog post of this podcast and asked the following questions that I want to address. So first of all, she asked about the um, BMI 22 that I recommended to achieve that mind shift. And she said she thinks it sounds as artificial as any other weight. And there are people, plenty of people who sit at lower BMIs. And I absolutely agree. There are plenty of people that sit at lower BMIs. However, aiming for a higher BMI when you are in recovery from anorexia is erring on the side of caution. Because if you are, say, naturally a BMI of 20, and for recovery purposes, you go to a BMI of 22, unrestrictive eating will naturally lend your body weight to return to that BMI of 20 where it's supposed to be at. So you can't really do any harm by getting achieving a higher body weight in recovery. However, you can do a lot of harm if you aim too low and you never achieve the body weight that your body needs to be at in order to come out of energy deficit and achieve some sort of energy surplus. The other point here is that although some of us have naturally lower BMIs, so maybe a BMI 19, 20, 21, for the purposes of recovery, our bodies need to achieve a higher BMI and go into that overshoot or recovery weight weight so that they can pay off the energy debt. So hence me saying that a 22, which is just a number that is the mid-range of healthy, but it's higher than what is usually recommended for eating disorder recovery. And I'm very clear that that should be seen as the minimum and the higher the weight that you um, body weight you achieve in recovery, often the better in terms of mental state restoration. But I do think that 22 is a much better arbitrary minimum than say 18 or 19, which a lot of people are usually leaving treatment at or told that their target weight is. So to be clear on that, no, I'm not saying that nobody naturally has a BMI of under 22. What I'm saying is for the purposes of anorexia recovery, uh, on the side of caution, you can do no harm by giving your body extra to pay off the energy debt that it needs to. And if your BMI is naturally lower, then with unrestricted eating, you should naturally return down to it over time. The other thing that this person pointed out was that about the idea that knowing that you're weight restored, that you'll be no longer afraid of gaining weight. I, I and absolutely she was very right to point this out. I think listening back to what I said, it, I was sort of just overgeneralizing there. And some people do have a fear of gaining weight before they have anorexia. It can be that fear of gaining weight or being overweight that sort of triggers the eating disorder or the energy deficit that... Um, sparks the um, anorexia to become active in them. But I, I guess what's really difficult to even put into words here is that even for people who have that innate fear of weight gain, 
when they are in a state of energy deficit, it's so very amplified. And not only is it so very amplified, but they also we also get this reward for more energy deficit. So, um, you know, restricting food feels so good and comfortable. When a person moves into energy surplus, wherever that is for them, then I think that is mostly the thing that changes. You stop getting that reward from um, achieving further energy deficit. So it stops feeling quite so good to achieve further energy deficit. And although, yes, you could still be scared of further weight gain, it's not quite the same level of fear as when you are in energy deficit. When you're in energy surplus, of course, you can still be sort of scared of weight gain, but it's not on the same level. And also, if you are strict, it's not as rewarding as it once was before. And I think those are the main differences that I wanted to get across there. So big thank you to the lady that emailed me and asked me to clarify. Cheers, and until next time, cheerio.